Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 352 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hi, Sarah. So I'm excited about today's topic. I feel kind of warm and fuzzy about it because it's a really sweet topic. Um, We're talking about what it feels like and what it's actually like to be in a mothery role to kids who are not your own. So we're talking about everything from our nieces and nephews to like your friends' kids and your kids' friends and that one neighbor kid who's just always in your yard. (laughs) And this has changed so much for me over the years and the pandemic has changed it a lot. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the upsides some of the trickier parts of trying to be in a sort of pseudo parental role to kids who are not your own. Um, And then just both like the emotional and the practical space that this occupies. Yeah. I just have to say, this is something I really miss about when my kids were younger. Um, And we're going to dive into more of the, you know, the ins and outs. and, And perhaps there were a few times that it wasn't so great. And I don't miss those times, but like just overall, I feel like there was a long window of time when I constantly had a parade of kids through my house and Mm -hmm. not all of them, mine, many of them not. And a lot of those kids, especially the cousins, the nieces and nephews, they still come around, but they're not little kids anymore. You're not scooping them up for a a little kiss. No, (laughs) not wiping anyone's butts anymore. I mean, there's just all those things are just not happening anymore. And um, it has changed. And there's some really lovely things that come with the kids getting older, but I miss it too. I'm very nostalgic for those younger, yeah. Younger big kid um, times. Yeah, I I feel warm, fuzzy nostalgia, too. And I did not have I have nieces and nephews now, but they all live far away and they're all little. When my kids were small, we did not have cousins or nieces and nephews. So I kind of had to manufacture that feeling with close friends. And I 
just loved that feeling of being in a position where I could pick up another kid from preschool or be the one that they called when they were going into labor with their third kid. And I went like that closeness of community was really meaningful to me. And that was pre pandemic times. And I know this has just been something that's really changed, I think in the last couple of years. So we both feel, we both feel warm and fuzzy about it, but I was also thinking about how you and I have both publicly said on the podcast that we're not really big fans of other people's kids in large groups when we don't know them. So I'm thinking of things like field trip chaperoning or like classroom volunteering, like a group of 15 or 20 kids who are not your own that you somehow have to like be in charge of. That's not actually what we're talking about today. Today, we are talking about those more familial, more like extended tribe relationships where mm. you, you, you might actually have some love for this kid who is not your own. So I wanted to clarify that yeah. too, because I feel like we feel the same about large groups of other people's children, maybe not being our favorite thing. You know, I have to say that that is something for me that has, um, changed, not as I've gotten older and like that, but as like my kids, friends have gotten older because they're like, if you had put me in charge of like a group of six-year-olds say, that I didn't know it was like hair on the back of my neck standing up. I would feel so awkward and uncomfortable and like just low level irritation the entire time. But now that I have teenagers and have had and have young adults, I am regularly around kids. I really don't know, but they're like old kids. And that has a very different flavor to it for me. I find them very amusing Mm -hmm. probably because I don't have to do anything with them. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not really expected to fill in as like, like no, you know, Will's, you know, friend that I just met, isn't going to walk up and call me mommy and like right. slide his sticky little hand into mine. Ask like you that's for a snack <laughs> or ask me for a snack. Right. They all just kind of do their thing. And I just sit there and watch and find it fascinating. So that's even something where like the downsides have evened out, but then the um, upsides aren't as like warm and fuzzy anymore. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting observation. I'm just heading into the teen years, but I do feel this very, like there's like an, Oh, you're also weird and cute. And like when you're other people's teenagers are sort of weird and cute in the same way that maybe other people's toddler, I don't know. Maybe we have more headspace now to notice these things. If we were, you know, handed a couple of extra toddlers, we'd just be overwhelmed. So yeah, exactly. Um, I also wanted to mention this is in no way like a series or anything, but over the years we have touched on this in a couple different ways. I thought I'd mention, and I'll link these up in the show notes. So in 2019, we did a whole episode about other people's babies. Like, like, did we like to hold other people's babies and all that? Today, we're going to be more talking about older kids. So that's kind of a nice pairing. And then in 2018, we have an episode that I still think about and I love called The Other Adults in Our Kids' Lives, which is really like the inverse of this, right? Because it's our kids and their relationships with teachers and coaches and their aunts and uncles and how important that is. So those are both really fun and I will link them up in the show notes. Probably we've talked about this other times too. It's a through line, but I think those are the only times I can think of that we did whole episodes about it. Yeah. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. 
So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so we're going to start more on the in the kind of emotional space around mothering other people's children. So, Megan, I'm hoping you can tell everybody kind of how you wanted kids to perceive you, other people's children, to experience you as a mom, um, like when they came over, when you watched your nieces and nephews, when you had other people's kids in your house. Like, what was the mom vibe you were going for? Especially in those littler years yeah. when kids really do kind of like, they kind of look around for the grown up in the room or like right. you said, like slip a sticky hand into yours, like <laughs> right. especially in those years. What were you going? Yeah, for? well, I, I think that um, it's the same as it was then. It just plays out a little bit differently. So I think I always kind of wanted to be a little bit like a like a 60s sitcom TV mom, like mm-hmm. kind of bustling around doing my own thing. So not hovering and not super involved, but like always this like warm comforting presence mm-hmm. with a, you know, like calling the kids to snack. I remember loving nothing more than like making a lunch or making a snack and calling all the children to mm-hmm. me to have their snacks or whatever. And then they can just go away and then I'll, I'll just busy myself around. I was always very into the home comforts, like wanting to make sure that ev- the snacks that everyone might want were there and like they all got to use the cup that they would want to use or mm-hmm. that they were all warm um, and fed. And nowadays, like my, uh, my older boys, friends kind of make fun of me because I'll still walk around the house asking if everyone has a banky. (laughs) I'm just being jokey, but like, you know, teenage boys will just drop where they like sleep where they drop and Uh it could be anywhere. And they're like, they're sleeping on backpacks and things. I've come down and found like one kid (laughs) with his head on the other kids sneakered feet. And I'm like, guys, I, 
I have pillows. We're I better have, than like, this, guys. We're better than this. <laughs> I have all these bankies. I brought them down. So now I just make this big show um, about walking around asking every teenage, you know, man child in my house. Some of them I don't really know that well, but like, do you have a blanket? Do you have everything mm-hmm. you need? Do you know like where to find toilet paper? Yeah. Do you know where to find a glass if you're thirsty? Like all of those things. I really want to be to make sure that I'm a good hostess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was more approachable as a mother figure when it was littler kids. And now I'm more just like, I don't know, like the, what did, um, if you had a boarding house, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, I'm picturing, yeah, like the, you like know, the like host. Yeah, you- the host, like the lady, the, the mm-hmm. kind of frowsy woman who's like slapping food on the table for the ranch hands, whatever. Yeah. I'm using yeah. a lot of television metaphors here, but, um, that's kind of, I think what it's, what it's gravitated toward, but it's just yeah. that just being a presence. Yeah. How about yeah. you? Um, very similar. So when, when I had little kids in my home who weren't mine, and I'm talking really little, like one, two and three year olds. So I would be actually like basically helping out a friend through babysitting or something. It's not like they wandered down from the neighbors or something. I always really wanted to make sure they felt safe and, and not worried. I was an anxious kid myself who was nervous when I was left at new places. And I've had a couple of anxious kids. So I really tried to know like, okay, does this kid have a lovey? Are they a passy kid? Like, how can I explain to a two and a half year old, like why they're at my house and they're going to take a nap at my house. And then mommy will come back when you wake up. Like I, I did a lot of that. I think, cause I just have extra empathy for it's confusing when you, when you're three say, and you kind of understand how the world works, but like, you don't really know why you're in this other lady's house and when your mom's right. going to be back. So I really leaned in on that, just making sure they kind of knew, knew why they were there and, and that they were safe. Um, and then, you know, down to like the, like being a physical mom stand in, if I had to put them to bed, like snuggling them or reading them stories, um, with really little kids, if we had a trusted relationship with the family, I'm changing somebody's diaper, helping them in the bathroom if they need it, um, picking them up if they get hurt. So there was a lot of that. And then to your point, that all kind of falls away. And now that the kids are older, I, it's like, I kind of hope that other people's kids don't really notice me, but feel like all of that safety and comfort has transferred just to the home environment. So it's like, I don't yeah. need them to notice me, but I still want them to feel like our home is safe and comforting and almost like they know they, that they just feel good in the house. I, I have really specific memories of having houses that I didn't feel particularly safe in as a kid and not that there was anything crazy going on. Like, but I just felt nervous in other people's houses sometimes. So I think what I'm, what I'm solving for is really being a home where people, like you said, know where the bathroom is, know where the water is, but also just feel like this is kind of a safe haven home. So I would say like you kind of, like you said, like present, but aloof, like within earshot, but not meddling. If a kid does need me or ask me a question and now I'm picturing like the violet age, like a, like a third grader, I do try to, you know, really stop what I'm doing and make eye contact and, and kind of take them seriously. Cause it's intimidating to be a nine-year-old say in somebody else's house and have to say like, Oh, I need, you know, can I use this or is it okay if I do this? And so just to validate them that that is a skill set that's still developing in little kids. They're not three anymore, but they're also not 15. And there's like this kind of awkward transition where they do have to learn to advocate for themselves or say, can you text my mom and da, 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 da. So yeah, I think that's, that's kind of where I land. Um, I'm just thinking while you're talking about that, it's like, I'm visualizing you like in one, when they're little, you've got like your little hands on their shoulder and then you're slowly backing away (laughs) and they're they're growing and like, you're just become like kind of blending into the background. Um, I can also say from experience that typically teenage kids 
you know, preteens and teens make terrible hosts and they don't yes. mean to be bad at it. They're just really <laughs> bad at it. I mean, they don't, it doesn't occur to them that they might have to tell their friends yes. where things are or go through that, those motions to make them comfortable. So I think I've overcompensated in that way. But like you, I, I think it's also a good modeling thing. Yeah. And I was going to say that too, that like, while your kids are learning how to be a host, you're at least modeling the behavior you hope they'll have someday. Right. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite ways to actually get to know the kids who are not your own? I can go first on this um, because I love to have other people's kids in my car. It's just been a delight over the years. And, you know, the pandemic kind of wiped out ride sharing and carpools for us for a long time. And then we moved. So now we have like new relationships. But there's something that's just delightful to me about having other kids in my car, listening to the conversations that happen, but then also engaging those other kids in conversation. And I guess it's no different than enjoying time with your own kids in the car. And everybody knows that's because like kids are a little less guarded. They're looking straight ahead. You're not making eye contact. They can't run away from you. So there's all (laughs) kinds of fun conversations that happen in the car. But when I have had my kids and their friends in the car, it's just very revealing. You hear, sometimes they forget you're there and they'll talk about something that happened at school that's very juicy, like gossipy. My third grader is that way. Um, Other times you'll get a kid who's way more talkative than your own kid. So for a little while, I was driving a couple of seventh graders to school last year and my seventh grader said nothing the whole way. And the other one was telling me all kinds of stuff that was happening at school and (laughs) what was happening in the classes and when the test was. And like, you got the tea on that one. Yeah. I got all the tea. So that's just been delightful. And if I can vote for carpools are sometimes a hassle to set up and they can sometimes seem like almost more trouble than they're worth. But there's a really cool like community and social aspect, I think, in having the trust to transport other people's children in your large vehicle. So yeah. that's the one that came up for me. I also love feeding other people's kids like you exactly like you said, like, come and get the snacks, friends. And like yeah. you, you just like you learn like the other kids have weird food preferences like yours or they're not picky at all. And they're, they'll be like can I have some horseradish on the, I don't know. That's a weird example, <laughs> like, but they're what? like, they, they get everything on your, on their burger and your kids get plain and you're like, wow, all, all different kinds of kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. And I, I also love the car thing. I just think that that is like you said, it's like wh- whatever the blend of the mix of kids, whether it's yours, yours plus other kids or just other kids. Um, it's just a great way to learn what's yeah. going on in their heads. Um, I, one that came to mind that I hadn't even thought of before you started talking was when I was directing a lot of theater for teenagers mostly, but also I did a couple shows that were full, um, full age cast. So from age six through 16, I think. And sometimes my kids would be in the shows. Um, Will did a couple with me. My nephew Jack did, I want to say three that I directed, but even when my kids weren't in the shows, um, they'd kind of come and hang around at rehearsals or, um, hang out backstage. Like there's just been, like, that's been part of our lives. And that is, a, that is a totally different way to get to know a group of kids. Mm-hmm. Even when my kids aren't there, I'm getting to know their peers. Often mm-hmm. these are still kids I know from some other, you know, some, they overlap with my sure. kids' friends or they are my kids' friends. And it's just, it brings out this goofiness in kids and like a, a confidence that in some of these same kids you wouldn't see um, if they were just like, I don't know, maybe walking the halls of school or something like that. They get around their theater friends and they act very different. And it's, it's just an interesting way to get to know, like almost like subcultures of kids. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure all subcultures are, have some similarities, but like any subculture brings with it, like the insider language. And um, that's just been really fun and, and really 
it, it's a, it, and I am kind of in this like mom role, but I'm not even there as anyone's mom necessarily. Right. So I'm not there to be mom. Right. Um, I've been in plays with people where I'm not even directing Like I'm not, I don't have any authority over them, but they still treat me. You're when just they're a young. mom. They still, yeah. I'm just a mom and they'll call me mom sometimes. But that's been, sometimes I'm playing a mom, sometimes not. I, I tend to get typecast, but, um, Another one that I really love is when I'm like working in the house or, you know, again, like kind of puttering. And often this is for me, like I'm in the kitchen and then all of my kids, my kids plus their friends are in just like the next room, the dining room or the living room. And I can overhear everything. And it's like, they don't, they, they kind of forget that I'm there and they're often loud and obnoxious and they're so funny. And I feel like I'm listening to stand up. It honestly, <laughs> it feels like I'm listening to stand up like a, like a show that I helped create. Cause I made one of the humans, uh -huh. but it's really funny and also just really silly. Um, they're so weird. And then often, especially the teenagers who are kind of proud of having their mom around and some are, and some aren't, and I don't think it matters if you're cool or not. That really right. has nothing to do with it. It's just not about like, you. It's not about me at all, but some kids really want their friends to know their mom is like around and Will's like that. And he will pull me into the conversation, which is also really funny. Like he'll be like, mom, 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 come in here. And, um, we need your opinion about something. And I'll walk in the room and they ask me the, they set me up, right. They set mm -hmm. me up for the joke. And then they ask me the question and then I answer it. <laughs> and then everyone laughs. And then I leave the room. It's kind of, it's just, it's just charming and fun. And I, I get a kick out of it. I love it. And also I had a reminder recently that even even if you think your teenager, your kid doesn't care to have you there and you barely see these other kids, you might be the cool mom. Like some of those kids might think your house is the most fun and you are the most cool because I reconnected recently with someone I knew when I was really little and we had not seen each other or talked in over, I don't know, 20 years and then some. And she said, I loved coming to your house. Remember your mom would make, she said, remember we'd make our own pizzas with those bobbly pizza crusts. And I was like, I have no. Like, real no. memory of that. Yeah. And I talked to my mom and she didn't really remember that. So it's just a good reminder. And this was not like a bestie that was like in my house for 10 years straight between elementary and high school. It's just a, like a, someone that was in my orbit that I happened and to And that might have happened with. one time. Right. Like the bowl exactly. pizza crust might have been a one time thing, but it stands out in your friend's mind. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a good reminder that all these little efforts, they might be getting through to somebody. We might be that warm, cozy landing place for some kid who we will never have the chance to know that unless. Right. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that thought. Yeah. Well, I am curious um, because other people's kids are not the same as our own kids. And I'm, I'm curious if there's any ways that you behave around your own kids that you have found yourself changing or like softening or altering when other people's kids are around. I'm thinking of like things like some homes have a really sarcastic sense of humor or some homes are really like they yell a lot. Even when they're not mad, it's just a yelly home or they're super cuddly. And those aren't necessarily ways we show up for other people's kids, um, especially as kids get older. So is there anything yeah. that you can think of in that category? Well, I think when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking a lot also about things that I do in that don't translate to do in front of their friends, even mm. if I'm not doing it with their friends. Um, sometimes it just doesn't translate. So I'm pretty honest with my kids and I'm pretty in the moment when it comes to like, um, I offering feedback. Constructive I'm just going to say constructive criticism. <laughs> like, I'm like, what are you doing? Knock it off. Or, you know, I'm just like, seriously, you know, right. I, we have a lot of, it's kind of sarcasm. It's kind of like, I don't wait around for right. some family meeting to air my grievance. I'll just air it. And 
we all do that with each other and, and we all, we get along really well. Our family is very harmonious. So we take it in stride. But I've noticed that if I call my kids out for acting ridiculous when they're with their friends, first of all, I'm going to be calling them out all the time because with their friends, they're more ridiculous. Like kids yeah. with their friends as a general rule are just, you know, 10 times as ridiculous. And then also no one likes to be criticized or even, even if it just looks like criticism, even if they know it's not, if their friends think it is, that's embarrassing. So I've really had to like learn to tone it down, let things go, save those in the moment comments Mm -hmm. for later. And I've definitely, I definitely, it would not work for me. Like I can kind of be jokey with Jack, my nephew, because I've known him since he was a, you know, newborn and he's 16 years old now. Um, that's really different than like Will's friend that he's doesn't really know that well, or his right. girlfriend. I'm right. not going to like, you know, just like give her constructive criticism <laughs> about the way she responds to me about something. So sometimes it also depends on the level of relationship. But I think in general, um, I just have to like kind of hit pause on some of the get keeping it real that yeah. I do with my kids when we're alone. How about yeah, you? That makes sense. Um, well, the thing that I thought of is, I, I mean, I am a verbal person. I talk a lot. I have a podcast where I talk for an hour twice a week. Um, it's kind of how I connect and show love in a lot of ways. So with my own kids, I'm very talky. I also think I'm a good listener with them, but if they're not talking, I like to ask questions. I like to start new conversations. I love with three different ages. I love to kind of facilitate their conversation or like, what about this? And it's just the way that I am. I have a lot of words and I see sometimes how my family will look at each other and I'll be like, fine, fine, fine. I'll keep it short. Um, so when kid, when other people's kids are around, I do kind of remind myself that it's probably best to just shut up. Like it, uh, that does not translate to other people's children so well. First of all, it would come across as weird and nosy probably. And I am a little nosy. I do want to ask them like, Ooh, are you, is your mom remodeling your kitchen? Like, where'd you, you know, I just, yeah. I have a lot of questions and this, other people's children are not meant to be the the landing place for my questions and my thoughts. So I really try to be present and warm, like I talked about earlier, but not um, make a lot of conversation with other people's kids. They're not here to see me. They don't want to make small talk. And it still it may continue to be the way I bond with my own family, but it's not it doesn't feel right with other people's kids. Yeah. Do you have memories of like being say in high school and having that friend whose mom just had to ask you so many questions or, or dad. I'm but, trying to think of uh, who that would have been. I, I feel like I had more friends who's by high school, whose parents were in the category we're talking about where I thought they were really nice and really cool, but they were out of the room. I'm, I yeah. cannot picture a nosy one, but they're, I'm sure there probably was. Well, um, in, in, my experience, it was Jenna's mom. And she's still like that now. I mean, we're now not really related, but we see each other kind of a lot. And she's still exactly it's like she asked so many questions and she was a therapist. So okay. and then later was a Episcopal priest. And so I think it just came naturally to her in a helping, yeah. you know, type. And but she really wanted to know things. And her dad was absolutely silent, wouldn't <laughs> would never say anything. And he's still exactly the same. And so growing when I would hang out there, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, her her dad hates me. Oh. And her mom wants to know everything about me right. and can see through to my soul. That's how right. I felt like, right. like I could never, like, no matter what I said, if I lied to her, I thought she'd know. Like, I just felt like she had a read on me and that yeah. her dad was completely disinterested or yeah. thought I was ridiculous. And now I just now all these years, it's just fun now 30 right. years later to go, Oh no, that's just, that's just who they are. They're like, that's they're, they, are. they they were people too all along. 
the whole time they were just like midlife adults right. like bumbling through like we right, are just like we are I, I have to say Violet's age right now is really fun she's just her nine she's in third grade she has a couple really close friends thankfully through this pandemic and it's so funny to talk to another third grader and those of you listening with like second third fourth graders they are aware enough of the world they're not really shy anymore. They'll have a conversation with you. But then like they're also full of baloney still a lot of the right. times. Like, and sometimes you can see through to like where they've totally misunderstood something about how the world works or like in their family things are or I'll make conversation. I'll be like, oh, what, what are you guys doing this weekend? And like they don't they don't know. They're still babies. And it's just really cute because they're like very talkative, um, sociable. They've been socialized by eight or nine or 10 years old, but they're still so little. And it's just it's really wow a fun thing to bond with kids of that age who aren't mine. Also, they don't need, you know, their faces wiped after every snack and it's kind of fun. They're not going to call you mommy. Probably not. Nope. We are welcoming back ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high quality and traceable key nutrients in clean bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start ritual or add the essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Megan, one thing I love about living in the time that we do is the way technology is transforming so many areas of our lives, not just to make things faster, but also to expand access to more people. And I'm not just talking about meal delivery or transportation, but even like the way our kids learn music. Yeah, Sarah, children's music education does not always have to be left up to in-person classroom teachers or private instructors like it was when we were growing up. Our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids, is putting great online resources right at our kids' fingertips. Yeah, we've shared about Carnegie Hall Kids in the past, and they're really great educational quizzes, games, and videos for kids and families. But I'm really excited to tell everybody about their new Sites You Can Hear quiz. This is really cool. It's an online quiz you can do with your kids or they can do on their own. And it plays a piece of music. And then you guess what visual image or scene it sounds like. Almost like one of those inkblot tests, but for your ears. Okay, I really want to take that quiz. And a really cool thing is everything on the Carnegie Hall Kids website is totally free. Listeners, start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes free. Okay, so I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you, Megan. Let's say you have a house full of kids, which I know is a thing that you have had many times over the years, some of whom are not your own, but all of whom you know pretty well. So like, again, the good friends, the nieces and nephews, and there's some behavior going on that if it were your own kids, you would 
put it in check. So it's normally not okay in your house, but it's also not like dangerous or super toxic either, like emergency. So I'm trying to get a feel for how likely are you to step in with a group of kids who's not your own and sort of like course correct some behavior. And if you're going to step in, how might you do that? Or what might you say? So two examples came to mind. Um, one would be, and this is particularly the case with the teenage boys, um, is swearing and like really rough language. So again, I'm not naive about, I'm not particularly offended by swearing and I'm not naive about it. I know that my teenage boys swear. I'm almost sure of it. I don't like when they do it in front of me. And then there's something particularly cringy about it when it's like four enormous young men yelling at each other across their computer (laughs) screens and they're throwing in like F-bombs or worse. And I just, I just don't want to hear it. Right. And so I would be the mom like a room away going, hey, <laughs> like I kind of use gentle shaming <laughs> I love it. to get them to see the error of their ways. And then they do like it's never been something where I have to like step in like usually me going, hey, guys, or I don't want to hear that, you know, or something like that. I don't, it doesn't even have to be like swearing is bad or does you, you know, you kiss your mother with that mouth. It's not like that. I'm not <laughs> I don't want to shame them as humans or even they're I'm not even really criticizing their behavior. What I'm saying is I don't want to be around that. Like, it's almost like a if, reminder, like, Hey, I'm here. That's what I was just remember my it's feelings. Almost like yeah. a reminder that like you are not in a, a teenage bubble vacuum right now. You're part right. of a household and a community. And remember all that nice toilet paper and blankies like that came from <laughs> right. remember? someone. Yeah. Remember the bankies? That was yeah. me. I did that for yeah. you. I yeah. got your, I got your feet off your friend's stinky <laughs> or your head off your friend's stinky <laughs> shoes. So, you know, give me a little, give me a little grace, a little class here. So that Honestly, I have found teenage boys to be like one of the most chagrinable, like a word like Mm, that I can, I can with a very simple word or look, stop them in their tracks. And, and they might not, they might all like roll their eyes and laugh about it behind my back. I don't really care, but they all kind of respect it in a, in a way. So, um, with the, with Clara. And again, I, my only experience is that my daughter happens to be the youngest and she's not a teenager yet. So that's all my experience with teenagers so far has been boys. Um, with Clara, it tends to be more things like her and her friends are like, they're talking, they're kind of gossiping about something that happened in school, but it's, it's treading close to being really mean or mm-hmm. overly dramatic. Like you know, all the, our teacher, my teacher hates me because blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff like that really annoys Piling. me. Almost like where the they pile, pile on and like one up each, like just yeah. keep ratcheting up. Yeah. Well, and overly being so overly dramatic about how, so the, the teachers hate me thing is a big one among Clara and her friends. Like it's got, it's like, yes, one upping about whose teachers are more mean. And mm-hmm. now what's interesting with that is I will often say, Hey, you know, guys, like that doesn't, I don't know, something. I'll just say something like, well, how would it feel if, if you knew someone was talking about you like that? Or do you think that's really what's going on? And I'm not, Mm -hmm. again, I don't come down on them hard and I'm not, um, not even trying to really be super critical, but the reaction from the 12 year old girls is very different. It's very defensive. And I'll be like, well, you don't even, you don't even understand. (laughs) So it's so funny how it's been so different with the teenager, the teenage boys and the preteen girls, like the way they react to being kind of gently called out Mm. is very different. And in my experience so far, I have found that, that Clara and her friends will almost like double down. So Mm -hmm. sometimes just joking them out of it is better, but I don't know. I do feel like it needs to be called out, even if they don't react the way 
I want them to. I yeah. still want to make a practice of being like, I notice that you guys are being mean spirited, ridiculous, whatever this like un- unfair, untrue. Right. Um, it's it does not go unnoticed. Right. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. like it, it's also it's nice for you to model that setting of boundary for yourself. And like, I, I don't feel super comfortable being in a group of people who are just bashing somebody else or whatever. Right. Just like that aware, bringing that awareness, like, Hey, right. I'm here. I'm here. Right. I'm here. I'm still yeah. here. <laughs> it's, it's tricky. And I, I want to say like at the outset, this is so different. If you are, if there's a group of kids that you really don't know at all versus the more often kids have been in your home, I think the more natural it feels to you're never going to totally parent someone else's child. But my confidence in being able to like course correct some behavior is way different with very close friends than a group of kids I'm meeting for the first time. So as we talk about this, just acknowledging that like it's it's almost like a sliding scale. But on that sliding scale, I, too, am I think I'm pretty likely to step in. And one reason is almost for my own kids benefit. Like we have this house that has pretty clear expectations and we treat each other a certain way and we treat our home and our pets and our furniture a certain way. And if I, if I allowed a bunch of behavior, like let's say it was roughhousing or something. And actually I'm, I'm okay with pillow fights and roughhousing for the most part in my house. But if it got to a point where I would ask my own kids to step outside or that I was getting nervous about safety, I definitely want to do that with other people's kids because it shows my kids that like, those boundaries in our house don't change. Like we don't, right, you mean it we, exactly. And that could be said for swearing or for how we talk to our siblings or whatever. So in a way, if I step in and gently course, correct other people's kids, it's as much for my own household family culture as it is for those kids, because those kids can go home and swear up and down or like, you know, trash the couch or whatever. But in, in my house, like our house rules, and that's usually how I would frame it. Like, Oh, Hey guys, like, in our house, like that kind of language isn't okay. Or in our house, like we do that kind of play outside. And that way, again, like to your point, you're not shaming any individual, but you're just being like, oh, hey, like here's how we do things in our house. So yeah, I'm, FYI. I'm pretty likely to step in, I think. But there have definitely been times when I have not and I have just observed. And then maybe it's something I bring up later with my kid or I just like yeah. tuck it away. Like, hmm, okay, I wonder if that well, group of friends is going to land here again. And sometimes it's behavior that's specific to a group that is not your sibling group like yeah. sometimes behavior like groups create their own behaviors yeah um so you might not have ever had a chance to even witness that before from your kids and kids can act differently when they're around other people and mm-hmm. other it, one thing that's amazing about kids is that they all misbehave a little bit differently so <laughs> there could be behaviors that you've literally never seen in your house yeah. before because your kids just it didn't occur to them and out of the great grab bag of like naughty or annoying things to do <laughs> Your kids never plucked that particular, you know, prize. Right. So right. some other kid brings it out and you're like, oh, now I have to have an opinion about this. I, right. I haven't even had a chance to think about it yet. I'm yeah. very surprised. It reminds me of like when a kid um, climbed, we had a staircase that had, you know, the top of the stairs, there was like a railing uh-huh. that went all the way around. And I came in like one of, I was coming up the stairs and one of my friends, kid, my kid's friends was like hanging off oh of the God. railing. Oh by God. their legs, like with their head over the stairs. And I just stood there and was like, I don't even know what to say. I, <laughs> oh my gosh. I've never, I've never been faced with such a thing. And yeah. I was honestly just floored because it never would have occurred to me that I would have to have a rule yeah. about that. But I apparently did. But so. you did. Yeah. I felt that I way did. a lot when 
when I had other people's little, little ones in my home, because neither of my first two kids were physically very adventurous or active. And then I, my third kid was, but she wasn't here yet. So like when I had like a two and a four-year-old, my two and four-year-old were physically pretty calm. Um, not always emotionally calm, but, and then I would have, I'd watch a friend's kids and they were climbers and jumpers and like throwers and headbangers. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And again, What's going that's, on? Yeah. that's not necessarily behavior to correct, but to your point, it's, it's like, oh, I didn't, this wasn't a thing I've had to establish rules around in my house. Cause I right. didn't know it would happen. So give yeah. me a minute here. Yeah. Give me a moment. Me a hot to second while this. you hang yep. off the railing. Okay. Right. Um, well, I am really curious if, we can share uh, maybe a kid, an other person's kid who really rubbed us the wrong way or just like wasn't a super great addition to your home or life and how we dealt with that. And I can go first. I just had one pop into my mind. Um, it was a little girl several years ago who was probably a third grader at the time. And she was an only child and was really not used to having younger siblings around, which is totally fair because that's like there's pros and cons and lots of different ways to have sibling groups or be an only child. And that's fine. But she was really pretty mean to my to the younger two siblings and on multiple occasions. And it was hard for me to have her around because it wasn't just that she was a little out of her league with like a, a couple of younger kids running around. She was like, got in their face a little bit about it and like was genuinely unkind and kind of dismissive and condescending uh, again, repeatedly over time. I don't mean like once. And so it just like was not a good fit. Like it was, I was like, I don't think we can have this sweet kid who I'm sure is just the lovely. It's not really about her necessarily, but it was not a good fit for my family. And it proved that over time. And I think I did say something a couple of times like, oh, you know, in our family, like there are just going to be younger siblings around. Like that's the nature of this house. And we have a rule that we speak kindly to everyone because she would just get real nasty if one of the younger kids said something or like got too close or like and it was. Yeah. So I did have to kind of correct it a few times. And then that friendship just fizzled, which was the way the universe intended. And that happens (laughs) a lot with tricky friendships. Um, they, They have a way of fizzling themselves out. Yeah. Um, so I have had an pretty much open door policy with friends, friendships, um, the whole time. And I will say it has worked 98% of the time, um, where I just kind of let the kids work out what the boundaries are going to be. And maybe with a little gentle direction for me, like, Ooh, you know, we have a napping baby. Please don't come knocking on the front door because the dog will bark. But it's okay if you like you know, go to the window and wave. And if anyone sees you, they'll come let you in like things like that. Like there was lots of workarounds that you would just deal with normal kind of clueless kid behavior. But usually my approach was to be super like, come one, come all very, very welcoming. And 98% of the time that worked great. But then when it doesn't work, it like really super doesn't work. And there's a couple examples of that. But one that comes to mind was a kid who his whole entire family glommed on to us. It wasn't just the kid and there were no boundaries, like the whole family. And so they would just show up all the time. Like mom, dad, the little sister and the boy and the little sister was nasty to Clara. The little boy was problem. I'm just, I'm not going to get too much into it, but the parents were the biggest problem. And it took me like three years to shake them. It was really hard. And like, I, it kind of was like, we had to just stop taking their calls and kind of ghost them. It was pretty bad. Um, I'm not sure what I could have done differently. And they did move. Finally, they did move. So it sort of took care of itself, but it was really uncomfortable there for, for a minute. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm not sure what I could have done differently, except for maybe earlier figured out that like, oh, this kid, this family seems to have some boundary issues. And then just, I guess, just not talk to them. I don't really know. Like it was such a small town. They lived like a few blocks away. And the other thing that was really hard is that the boy was in Will's class, but Owen was kind of obsessed with him. And Owen didn't have any friends his own age in the neighborhood. And so they would, they wanted Owen over all the time. And so he would just get on his little scooter and scoot down to this house. And they were really nice to him. They were very kind. Um, And he was very welcomed there. But Will at the same time is like, I don't want to go over there. I don't really like this kid that much. And so the whole, it became like a whole family problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, A multi-generational issue, boundaries issue. So, uh, you know, the way we dealt with it is we just slowly and painfully backed out of this relationship that was pretty messy. Yeah. So you know, I guess live and learn. I wouldn't change anything about the way we've done almost every other relationship, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you do open the door to things like that. And then you have to kind of figure out how to, how to walk it back. And that's not always easy to do. And it was hard to do it in front of the kids and like have them going like, do you even like them? And I would be like, I mean, no, right. You know? And, um, Will's like, I don't want to hang out with this kid. And I'm like, I know, but his mom won't stop calling. Like, I don't know what to do. And yeah. so, yeah, that was, that was tricky. That's, it's been years now, but it, it is really sorry. tricky, really tricky. Yeah. Well, I want to kind of finish by talking more about the older kids, teens, and even young adults. And I'm curious for you um, and for listeners who don't know. So you live in the same town as um, two nieces and a nephew, and then you're close with your other nieces and nephews who live out of town. Um, have you found ways to stay connected to those other people's kids, especially as they've gotten older? And by stay connected, I'm now not talking about just when they're in your house hanging out with your kids, but like actually maintaining kind of that familial relationship as they get older. And have you enjoyed that as they've matured, like your nieces and nephews who are, I mean, some of them are now adults. Yeah. Um, Mario is 31. Oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> Yes. And I still remember when I found out he had been born. Um, yeah. So he's my oldest nephew. Um, I mean, it depends on the kid for sure. So Mario and I text and we share stuff on Instagram. Um, DMs, we share a lot of reels back and forth. Um, Erin is kind of off doing her own thing, but whenever she's in town, like I always love to talk to her. Cecily and I text Cecily's also become very close friends with Clara. So they're like a little buddy group and Cecily is gosh, 27. Mm-hmm. And Clara, no, 20, no, 25, sorry, 25. She's a year older than Jacob going on 26, but she's considerably older than Clara. But when we go to visit, Clara will go spend the night at Cecily's apartment because they're like really good buddies. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like through the kids that, mm-hmm. that we keep those relationships. And then with the teenagers, it's really more of just putting myself in their way and asking questions mm-hmm. um, and just remembering to include them in conversations. And there's always some common ground to talk about. There's always something. And I actually find preteens and teens in, in particular, very easy to talk to. If you just mm-hmm. give them a chance, there's, they want to tell you about their lives often, yeah. not always, mm-hmm. but often, especially if you have something interesting to ask them about, they'll, they'll open up and talk. Um, if you just kind of like, I don't know, give them a chance to. And I have aunts um, that I'm still very close with that are, you know, in their 70s now and 60s and 70s. And I really like that. So I'm hoping that that is the case with me and, and my nephews and nieces, too, and maybe even some really close friends of the kids. Yeah, I, I'm i thinking that technology, this is a point, a, a point in the pro column for technology and Instagram DMs and texting 
Because I have a couple of aunts that I'm quite close to, but I went through a long period of time where like, I just only saw them every couple of years at a family gathering and then we'd catch up or like I might send a birthday card, but now I text with them like really close relationships, texting with my aunts who are in their sixties and seventies. And with the generation coming up now, that technology is already in place. So I can see how it would provide just like a little touch point with those. It's like intergenerational, it's inner family, but they can still be kind of a sweet connection and like not to be morbid, but you just never know in the future, those familial ties, those not, maybe they're not blood ties, but like good friend of my mom or my friend's mom that I was always really close to, like those can be really meaningful touch points down the road, um, as life goes on and things happen. So, yeah, I would also just add to that, that sometimes you have to like try a little harder to be on a platform that they're on that you maybe aren't into. And that's hard for me. Cause you know, you know, I don't want to do TikTok and I don't right. really want to do Snapchat, but, um, there have been times when I've been on platforms like I was on Snapchat for a while, basically just to talk to my nieces and nephew. So mm-hmm. because they were just on there, uh, yeah. my older ones and, and they weren't texting as much and they would send pictures of their faces and that was fun. <laughs> so, you know, being willing to try something, even if you aren't ever going to use the platform, the way it's meant to be used, yeah, you can actually just use it with like one person. That's yeah. okay. It's worth yeah. downloading for that. I love that. Well, I like I have a totally different perspective here because I only have one teenager of my own. I don't have other teenagers that I'm close to or nieces and nephews who are older than my kids. So I just wanted to like touch on COVID and the pandemic and what it's kind of uh, done in the disruption of our ability to stay close to other people's kids and see a kid through to you know, like the little kid that you used to babysit in the neighborhood is now like driving by with a driver's license. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I knew you and you were, and of course the kid doesn't want to hear that, but that is a special Mm. thing about being rooted in a community. And, uh, the pandemic hit a pause on that for a lot of people who weren't mixing the same way with other families, or maybe like you weren't having teenage babysitters over or your kid wasn't going out and babysitting for a while. So I feel like, first of all, the pandemic had a huge pause in this area. And then for my family, we also moved, which means my 13 and 11 year old are experiencing new friendships, which is great. And I have really enjoyed getting to know some of their like preteen and teen friends. But it's not the same as like if we'd stayed where we were and had people that we'd known, like if we'd stayed in Arizona even two moves ago I'd now be seeing these teenagers that I'd known since they were babies. And so my moves have been, they've of course been really positive. It's a net positive, but just validating that, like, you don't always get that opportunity to kind of have a through line. And it's, it seems harder to build relationships with older kids and teens who are not your own, but maybe not, not impossible. I really do want to be a little more involved in like Allegra's theater program and the middle school and just ways to like, be that face in the background, like that one mom who's around sometimes, like I do want to be known and I want other kids to, like I said, know that our, our house is a safe place and I'm a cool mom and all that. But it's definitely, I don't have the built-in relationships that you do. Well, and I think that, I mean, a lot of people are finding themselves in the same boat um, with the pandemic did change everything. And even when I talk about things like theater, you know, um, I, we haven't done a live show in, two years. I mean, there's just things that are very, very different. And I've been really fortunate that I have those, uh, older kids that are just part of my life anyway, but yeah. even that has changed to some degree. So yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm ready for this to, <laughs> I'm ready for us to get back to some of those things. Cause it's, it is hard when you look back at all that's been 
really lost and like yeah. put on put on hold for yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is really fun. I think there are tricky parts and we talked about some of the less fun parts, but I'm going to put for me, this is definitely in like a positive column of something that's meaningful. And like you said, entertaining, fun, Mm -hmm. like you learn a lot about how other families work and what other kids are like and how they tick. And so I'm a fan of other people's kids, just not on a pumpkin patch field trip. (laughs) So I'll leave it. I will co-sign that. Oh, well, before we wrap, we want to remind you to check out our sponsor, Kidsole.com, with their line of cutting edge insoles, heel cups, and therapy socks that can keep kids' feet comfy and functional. Kidsole's offering our listeners a super generous 40% off discount. Visit Kidsole, that's K-I-D-S-O-L-E.com slash the mom hour and use code MOMHOUR22 to get that 40% off. Yeah, definitely check that out. And then I'm excited about a post we have on the blog this week by our contributor, Catherine. Um, She talked about finding community, and this is similar to what we're talking about today, finding community as a mom who had moved away from her family of origin in the Midwest and settled in a totally different state and kind of starting over socially um, when she had kids. And she gives actually really practical advice for getting out there, going to a group or signing up for a class, even if that's not your style. And almost kind of walks us through like where she is now versus when she first had a baby and had no friends. And it's something that we hear about so often from our listeners is like how to create that sense of community, how to make friends, how to get out there. And then, of course, there's been a pandemic. So um, Catherine did a great job and has some really specific tips and ideas and just shares her story. So we will link that up in the show notes. Um, And then I'm really excited. Next week, we are starting a two-part series on the podcast here about pandemic babies who many of whom are turning two. Megan, I don't know if you know, but we've been doing this for a couple of years. So (laughs) pandemic babies are now pandemic toddlers. And on our contributor team, we have seven or eight moms who have all had babies in the last two years and who are joining us to kind of reflect on the good, the bad, the really, really hard, um, but also to kind of celebrate these pandemic babies who themselves are really special little creatures who added a lot of joy during this time. So that'll be next Tuesday and the following. So a a two-part series that I'm really excited about. I am too. It reminds me of that thing that's going around on Instagram right now in reels. And it's like, pandemic babies aren't babies anymore. And then it's people showing their, their toddler pandemic toddlers. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, so, it is yeah, crazy. We have one contributor who's had two pandemic babies. Like in the time that we've been pandemicking, she's had two babies. So that's how long well, we've what been else doing is this. Gonna do? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh my busy. gosh, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We will be back next week with that pandemic babies episode and we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave The Mom Hour a rating and review. 
If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.